Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, Colossians chapter 2, reading from the New King James Version. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says this, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. Now, Laodicea is a city that was very close in proximity to the city of Colossae. So he says, I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Now, this goes on to another verse, but the sentence is not finished. And Paul is notorious for these uh, long sentences, he didn't even run on sentences. But, I mean, he's really, he really has a brilliant mind, actually. And so he says here, that I've been in a great conflict for you. You know, the Apostle Paul went through tre- tremendous persecution to be able to go to the, yet the next city and the next city and to preach the gospel. And when he preached, often he would be persecuted because of that preaching. And so, in fact, let me just say this, that in today's day and age, when a preacher is persecuted, people attack, people judge. And sometimes, you know, they may be right. But often... We'll, we have the, the mindset that, well, if a pastor or a preacher, a teacher of the Bible is really doing it right, well, they won't get on people's bad side. Well, that wasn't true for Jesus. That wasn't true for Paul. That wasn't true for the apostles in Jerusalem. No, it's not true. And so Paul is telling them, I went through a tremendous conflict for you, for the church, the people in Laodicea and such. And he goes on to say, uh, and And uh, I have this heart also for people who have never even met me, never have seen my face. And he says that I want all of you, whether we've met before or not, I want all of our hearts to be knit together in the Lord. You can see the heart of an apostle to keep everybody on board, not to lose people unnecessarily, even either losing them by them not being a part of the body of Christ anymore, or just by being in division within the church. And so he says, being in, in knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of the understanding of the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Talking about Christ, in Jesus are hidden all of the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge, of wisdom and knowledge. Let me just tell you, in the Lord Jesus are treasures galore. It's, it's bigger than a treasure chest. It's a treasure universe and all wisdom and knowledge in the Lord. So once you come into Jesus, once you get born again, your spirit's uh, saved, and then, oh, it opens up a whole world of treasures, but you seek out those treasures. So just like we're reading through the Bible and we're seeing things and uncovering things that we didn't notice before, didn't understand before, in the Lord, there's so, there's so much wisdom, there's so much knowledge in the Lord. In fact, uh, there is, according to the book of Proverbs, there's no wisdom or understanding 
or counsel that's against God, against the Lord. In other words, if any wisdom challenges the wisdom of Jesus, it's wrong. It's not wisdom after all. If any knowledge is in conflict with the knowledge that the Lord has, then that's not knowledge at all. And so uh, Paul is saying he realizes that in the Lord there's a treasure of wisdom and of knowledge. And then in verse 4, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. He said, I may not be right there with you in person with my physical body, but in my heart, in my spirit, I am there with you. I'm walking this thing out with you, walking this life out with you in the Lord. So I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He said, I really want to come back to you. I really would love to come back and see the, the life that you walk out in Christ, the way that you live your life for the Lord. He goes on in verse 6 to say, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, just as you received him as the Lord, walk with him as if he is the Lord. So walk with him. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him. Notice rooted first. First you be rooted down, rooted in the word of God. See, rooted down in the Lord, in the things of God, but then built up. See, to have, to build a high-rise tower, a skyscraper, oh, before you start building upward, you dig downward. And you have to have a, a solid and deep foundation. The higher the building will go, the deeper the foundation has to be. And so he says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So he said, I've been teaching you this, and but you need to be rooted in these things. Just hearing it one time does not mean that it's actually happening in your life. He said, you have to come back to these things and establish these things in your life. Be rooted in these truths. Verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. Oh, this is so important. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world. He says, you're going to notice that many of the principles of the, of the truths of God's kingdom and of the Bible parallel basic principles of the world, principles of business and such. He said, be careful that you don't just begin to say, oh yeah, well that's the same as this principle in business. Like the Bible says, give and it'll be given to you. And there's a principle that says, hey, what goes around comes around. And you begin to be deceived thinking that it's just all principles. And you know, a lot of these principles are in the Bible, but there are other principles too. And so you just begin to, in, in fact, you just begin to embrace whatever appears to work whatever will get you down the road, whatever will bring success. And he said, beware, 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 because there are many philosophies, there are many principles that are not the principles of the kingdom of God. They may be principles that seem to get you down the road, say in business or in investing or whatever. And he said, look, <laughs> he said, those principles at some point take a detour sometimes in their motivation. Like, why are you doing that? How are you doing that? For whom are you doing that? By whose instruction 
Are you pursuing that? See, and so he's saying, beware, beware, because it's so easy to mush it all together and to think that the Bible is just a book of principles that just show us how to get down the road in life. And well, whether it's biblical principles or other principles, as long as we get down the road, he said, beware, that's not the case. That is not the case. We're not just trying to further ourselves, get down the road, be successful in life and such. He said, beware. That's not what it's all about. That's not what it's all about. God is God. And God has things that he's trying to get done. And sometimes the principles of this world and the philosophies of this world that seem to take us farther are things that actually take us off track from what God is trying to say to us. And so he said, beware. Beware. It's very subtle. Beware, lest anyone cheat you. Notice he doesn't just say that you get off track. No, you're cheated. Somebody said, well, yeah, but I, I, I got down the road, actually. <laughs> yeah, you got down the wrong road. You got cheated from the right road. You could have been walking on the path of the Lord, fulfilling your assignment and your calling. And instead, you began to walk according to the principles of the world, the philosophies of the world. In the eyes of men, you might have been successful. But in the eyes of God, you got cheated. You got cheated out of what God had called you to do. So beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. We're not following principles that are proven that worked. We're following Jesus. We're following Jesus. We go where he leads us. And and Jesus himself, you know, they wanted to take Jesus and make him the king, and he wouldn't let him do it. See, advancement of selfish ambitions and things and, and making ourselves get down the road and seem to do better with you know, what the world esteems as success. That is not the success that the Lord is looking for for our lives. And so, verse 9, For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hey, in Jesus, oh, the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in Jesus. In other words, you're not going to miss out on anything because the Godhead, God himself, the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. See? And so some of these things are mysteries. So don't take that uh, too far and begin to make some strange doctrine out of it. But he's just saying when you are in Jesus and you are researching the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge in Jesus, you're going to find all the fullness of God there. So you're not going to miss out on anything. You won't miss out on anything. So it goes on to say, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Jesus is in charge of all principality, all power, all governments, all businesses. We may think that these business owners, these multi-billionaires that own these big companies and such, that have such great influence and such, oh, let me tell you, Jesus is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the CEO of CEOs. He is, in, he is over all of them. So just know you're not getting some subpar religious wisdom. No, in the Lord, this is superior. And let me tell you, at the end of the age, we'll see with our own eyes that Jesus will, will come back this time not as a servant, a humble, meek servant, wanting to serve and wash the feet. He's going to come back as a victor, as the glorious, powerful Lord. And he will take charge rightfully. It belongs to him to do so.
So verse 11, in him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. He's saying not, not the one in the flesh, but the one of the heart. By putting off the body of sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith. Now let me just hit on that quickly. When you get baptized in water, and we lean you back and we put you under the water, what this is, it's a little drama that we're helping you to do, that just as Jesus died on the cross and he was buried, well, you're identifying with his death, and you're saying, that was me that died. See, if it wasn't you that died, then your sins aren't paid for. But when you identify with Jesus dying on the cross and say, that was me who died with him on the cross. I, I've already died, in a sense, through Jesus for my sins. So when we baptize you and we put you down in the water, the water represents the ground. And, and we're doing a little drama that says, hey, you died when Jesus died. You died for your sins. Your sins were paid for. That old person of sin, that old person that used to live for the world, that person's dead. Let's bury him. We put you down in the water. But we immediately bring you back up. And what that means is that there's a whole new person that has been raised from the deadness of sin. And now you're alive unto God. You're alive to serve the Lord. And this new life that you have is not the old life. It's the new life. So that's what baptism's all about, that we go through this drama so that you and everybody else understands my old life is gone. I refuse to live that life anymore, that life of sin. I have a new life in Christ. I've been raised from the deadness of sin to live with him and for him. So he said, buried with him in baptism. This is what happens when you get baptized. You're declaring, no, that old sinful man is buried. Let him stay in the ground. Uh, buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Just like Jesus was raised from the dead, so the Lord raises us from the deadness of our sins when we're born again. Verse 18, excuse me, verse 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, Jesus, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So all those commandments of the Old Testament, not that the commandments are bad, but thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not. All those hand handwritings of commandments that really judged you and uh, were the evidence against you that you are not righteous. You cannot be saved because, look, you don't meet all of these hundreds of commandments. He's saying when Jesus came, he fulfilled the commandments, and then he died as if he didn't fulfill it. So because you died with him, well, all those commandments that you were required to keep and couldn't keep it, well, then they were punishable by death. Guess what? In Jesus, you died. And so therefore... He wiped out those commandments that are against you. There is now no more evidence that you are not worthy to be saved because you receive his righteousness now. Oh, thank God. So, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. He nailed to the cross all those requirements and the evidence against you has been nailed to the cross, destroyed. 
Verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. We're talking about Satan. We're talking about the demonic realm, the whole realm of the kingdom of darkness that was trying to stop the people of God. Jesus came, and through his humility, through his obedience, through his death, through his weakness, (laughs) what did he do? Oh, he delivered us all from sin. And he triumphed over all the kingdom of darkness who tried to stop us from being saved, from taking our rightful place in authority as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Oh, Jesus made a spectacle of them. They could not stop this from happening because Jesus won the victory by doing what he did through the cross. And so it goes on to say in verse 16, So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbaths. Now this is a key point, because sometimes we read some of the Old Testament laws about the feasts, about the festivals, about the holy days, and so on, about the Sabbath day. Because the Sabbath day is a very important day. I believe that everybody should take at least a day a week to rest. But there are people, Jewish people of course, we know that, not all, but Uh, some, but even some Gentiles, believers, believers in Jesus, who they read these things and then they begin to take on those uh, laws and thinking that by doing those laws, they're more spiritual. They're they're, uh, attaining righteousness by doing those laws and keeping those things. And Paul says, no, 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 don't let anybody judge you in the food, in the drink, uh, in festivals, new moons, Sabbaths. Don't get into that to where that's now your qualification. Don't let anybody judge you for that, which are a shadow of things to come. Those things were a shadow of the things to come in the Lord, in Christ. Shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, uh, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. See, these things will puff you up, thinking you're doing these things and you're better than other people. So he goes on to say, and not holding fast to the head from whom, the head is Jesus, from the head from whom all the body nourished, oh, from whom, Jesus nourishes us, from whom all the body nourished, let me find my place here, uh, the head, from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So when we're all nourished together, we're all connected together like bones and ligaments and such, and the body is nourishing, the blood flow is going through, and the life of Jesus is coming through all of us to one another and such, and the whole body is being built up. It all comes from the head, from Jesus, his life. But now it's coming from him to us and to one another. And the whole body's growing through this process. We're knit together. That's why we got to stay together in this thing. Verse 20, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to to regulations. He said, if you died to all that stuff, that, that person's over that had to keep those requirements. Why are you taking those requirements back on? You died to that already, okay? And so 
Do not touch. He's saying these are some of the requirements. Do not, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concerning things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So these rules and laws and regulations and things that people take on, he said, <laughs> they have the appearance. They have the appearance of wisdom in, in self-imposed religion. He said, but they don't have any power over the flesh to actually get the flesh to be obedient to God and to do the right thing. No, they don't. The law, the rules, the regulations, they cannot get your flesh to measure up and to be obedient. How that happens is by the power of the Spirit, but not by all those regulations, but by faith in Jesus and His life coming into you, by faith in believing that you're the righteousness of God in Christ by grace, a free gift, not by rules and regulations, but by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you realize that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you begin to live righteous and you break free from those bondages of the flesh, not by the regulations, but by faith in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, let me tell you, I've experienced it myself and been delivered by the power of God. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.